This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for December 21st, 2023. This is season 13, lucky season 13, episode number 11. And it is episode 396 in the long running podcast. It is the Power Play Post Show. I'm your host, Bob Howard. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. I am very excited about this episode because if you've been waiting for a particular position to show up on this show, well, then this is your show. So um, you, you, you'll you be very happy with the guests that we have on, on this week. Um, the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for the Power Play Post Show and join our group. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity and as I just previewed just a little bit, on this episode of the Power Play Post Show, Binghamton Black Bears goaltender, Connor McAnanima. And uh, what a great kid. Uh, got to talk to him a little bit. I've gotten to know his father a little bit um, as well. Um, and just a really great interview. I'm really excited so far. i got to be honest with you guys. I've had a great time talking to these players here with the Binghamton Black Bears. They are all Really, really down to earth, great kids playing the game of hockey that they love. And I'm just glad to be able to tell their story, right? You know, and that's kind of what I'm doing here. When I interview these players, we're kind of telling their story. We get we get a little insight on the games from them, but at the same time, we get to learn a little bit about these guys. And let's be let's be honest, they don't get paid a lot of money. They're here playing hockey because they absolutely love it. Some of these kids have master's degrees. Uh, they have college you know degrees that they could go out and be doing anything else we've already talked to a couple of players this year who have you know their four-year five-year in some cases they have a couple of master's degrees so they could be going and doing a lot they could be making a lot of money doing other things and yet they're here playing hockey in Binghamton because they love hockey in Binghamton because they love the fans here in Binghamton and you hear that throughout most of my interviews and uh, I'm just uh, very excited and very honored. This is going to be the last interview of 2023 that I do with pretty much anybody. Next week's show is going to be a little bit different. We'll talk about the upcoming games that uh, Binghamton will play against the Watertown Wolves, but then we'll also take a look back at 2023, the end of last season and the beginning of this season, and of course, the Power Play Post Show and how we fit into all that. So I'm very excited to have that show as well, Uh, a little bit of a break. It'll be between Christmas and New Year's, um, and then the first show back in 
the new year, we will obviously bring on a guest. I already have somebody in mind to maybe talk about so far the beginning of this season. So we'll get to that. You know, maybe I'll announce it next week who will be on the first week of the new year. So let's talk a little bit about the last two games. Um, the last two games, obviously, against Danbury and, of course, against Watertown. Now, of course, we won both of those games, as everybody knows. Uh, I think Binghamton had a great weekend. Um, I think there was some unfortunacies that happened in both games, more so on the opponents of the Black Bears than the actual Black Bears themselves. I understand the whole Nikita Ivashkin, the lewd gesture, the suspension. I get all that. But I think the Black Bears really, you know, before I break down these games, talk about these games a little bit and give some of the insight, I really think that the Black Bears have had to react mostly this year. I think the majority of the things that have happened that might be ugly may not be the best things you want to see, right? You know, last week the FPHL debuted their new podcast, and one of the big things they talked about was, is, you know, the P stands for prospects, and that's all true, right? Anybody playing at any level of hockey, if you're not in the NHL, you're just looking to move up. You're looking to get better. You're looking to improve. So it doesn't matter if it's the FPHL, the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL. Everybody's looking for that next step up. And you can't blame any of these kids for doing that. But at the same time, I think that the Black Bears have had to react to how some people play when they're not playing well. And what I mean by that is that the Watertown Wolves and the Danbury Hattricks are not playing well this season. I mean, they're okay. Danbury's okay. Watertown doesn't have no wins or just one win like Delaware has the last couple of years at this point in the season, but they're still not playing to their level. And though I think there's parity within this league, more so than there has been probably in other years, you have two teams that are probably not playing as well as they want. And so they're doing things to get under the skin, to get under the you know, just get into the head of a team that's playing well, and that is the Binghamton Black Bears. The Black Bears are playing well on all facets of the game. I think it starts with coaching. I think it starts, then goes to the captainship. And then I think the offense is very good. I think defensively, they play well, team defense, better so than any any other time. And, and I think goaltending-wise, they're great. You know, they have two outstanding goaltenders in Sam Levici and, of course, Connor McAnanima. And I think Nolan Egbert is the perfect number three. Because from what I can tell from talking to people, Nolan is that guy that walks into the locker room and people just want to be around him. So there is no real major issues. Now, when we talk about the one glaring thing that you can see about the Black Bears, which might be penalty trouble, they also got one of the best penalty kill units out there. Probably two units that can kill penalties at any given time. So they are reacting to, obviously, other teams' dirty hits, um, just really bad play by the other team that 
then affects that team and they, they take a penalty and then Binghamton turns around and, and reacts in some cases. If that's the only fault that I can find on this team 19 games into the season, fine. So be it. It's okay. I'm all right with that. You know, if a team's going to react and they're going to put themselves down by, you know, uh, you know, uh, down two minutes or even five minutes or whatever it might be, they've been able to cover their asses, so to speak, right? You know, I hate to swear or whatever, but it's true. They've been able to cover their asses if something happens. But this weekend, and even a couple of the other weekends, we what we've seen is other teams cannot play at the same level as Binghamton. Carolina definitely can. And I don't blame the fourth game against Carolina from a couple weekends ago, the, the, the Saturday night game. I don't blame that on Carolina. I'm not saying that Carolina caused the ruckus that happened there. I, I truly think that Binghamton was a little frustrated. They, they kind of, you know, that was their own doing, right? But in, in, and when they've played against, uh, so far they've played against Carolina. I think Carolina's so far been the best team that they've played against. They haven't played against Motor City yet. Motor City sliding a little bit. Uh, but I think that most of the time, you know, against Danbury and so far this Watertown game, and we'll see what happens this upcoming weekend, when these two teams don't play well, they try to get a little bit more physical to get into heads. And I think Binghamton's handed it perfectly fine. Yeah, sure, you, you probably don't want to see your coaches getting fined. You don't want to see players getting suspended for lewd, uh, lewd stuff. But let's be honest with you. They were taking they were taking advantage of Nikita Ivashkin in some cases. They were trying to get into his head. And they did. It worked. But you know, it still didn't change the fact that they won the game against Danbury. And that's one of the things you have to remember, right? Sometimes yeah, the opponent's gonna get into your head and sometimes you're gonna make a mistake, and yeah, sometimes you're gonna do something that you're gonna have to pay for. And so he has, uh, you know, and everything. But let's take a look back at the last two games, all right? Uh, Friday night versus Danbury, the hat tricks, it was a 4-2 win for the Binghamton Black Bears. This was the seventh game of 18 meetings this season uh, for the two teams with the Black Bears win. They have now won their last six games against the hat tricks in a row. Now, we would have never envisioned that the last two years. Let's be honest here. Danbury's been good. Coach Bill, Billy McCreary has always put on a good team. And with what he's got, because he's been decimated. His defense was decimated by call-ups to the SPHL and the ECHL. Let's be honest. It's the truth. If none of those players would have been called up, the Black Bears and the Hattricks probably would have more of an even record in seven games, right? You know, 4-3, maybe 3, you know, but no. Uh, decimated. And Binghamton has taken advantage of that. And Binghamton is good. The Don was back. Donald Oliveri was on a line with Tyson Kirkby and Austin Thompson. Very well. Gavin Yates was out all weekend due to suspension. As well as you will, you didn't see Daniel Amesbury in that game due to his lengthy suspension as well. Connor McAmanama uh, started for the Black Bears, who looked very good all season, and especially in his last outing. Um, in the first period, after a big hit from the hat-trick Steve Brown, which he was a pest all night for the the hat-tricks, 
the Black Bears, uh, Austin Thompson, a scrum occurred, putting Brown into the penalty box for two minutes alongside Austin Thompson and Donald Oliveri. Oliveri took exception to the way Steve Brown uh, went after Thompson. Uh, this led to a very quick goal, still five-on-five five for the Black Bears, off the stick of Dakota Bond, who's really starting to pick up his game. Uh, just seconds after the uh, Brown hit on Thompson. So it didn't take long for Dakota Bond to score that goal. It was a very quick just face-off pass and score. That it was really that, that, that quick, that easy. These teams know each other very well and has seen to trade good spurts on the ice. Oliveri was very upset with the hit on Thompson uh, by Brown. He was seen at the later parts of the first period talking t- for a long time with one of the referees. Now, maybe one of the things you didn't see on YouTube because, you know, uh, they might be doing other things, showing commercials or whatever, um, and they probably went to commercial. If you didn't see this on YouTube, Donald Oliveri spent a long time talking to the one of the referees afterwards. And I, I really think that, you know, he was doing it in a very professional way. I think he was showing his leadership. Once again, Oliveri doesn't have an A on his chest, and he's 100% a leader in that locker room. And, and you know, he's not in the locker room all week long, but when he gets there, he puts everything on the table. He's a pro. He's a pro's pro, and uh, he sticks up for his teammates. I liked what he did in both of these games when the dirty stuff started to come down. Donald Oliveri made sure that in the right ways, he put the game on his shoulders and created exactly what needed to be done. He had a really good game. Um, Great weekend. Uh, So Oliveri, if you're listening to this, the Don, if you're listening to this, you probably had not, which is fine. I understand. Great performance by you all weekend long, in my opinion. Connor McAnanima played well in the first period, um, but with the defense in front of him, he, he didn't have to be great. He was good, but he didn't have to be great because that defense was good in front of him. He didn't see a lot of great A shots, at least in my opinion. In the second period, uh, was dominated by the Black Bears. They out shooting the hat tricks 15-6. However, they could not get past Liam Murray. If you look at the online stats, it says Colum, uh, McCollum was in goal. He was not. It was Liam Murray. However, at the end of the period with uh, Samuel Tetorat in the box for roughing, Thomas Ray scored for the Black Bears the second goal of the game on the power play. Well, actually, it was only the first one on the power play. Black Bears dominated, and they got only one goal on the power play late, so it was 2 to nothing at that point. The third period saw a lot of feisty play, which will likely see a couple players face suspension, which we definitely saw. Uh, the multiple game misconducts being handed out. However, the hat trick scored first in the period with the goal at the 14-14 mark off the stick of uh, Bodan Zinchenko. Now, what's interesting about this, they went 14 minutes in. So that means Connor McAnanima... Shut him out in the first, shut him out in the second, and went 14 minutes and 14 seconds into the third before Danbury scored. Uh, Donald Oliveri returned the favor, putting the Black Bears up by two goals in just 11, just 11 seconds after that goal. So that was pretty impressive. And, and here's one of those things. Donald Oliveri scores that goal. It's, it's now 3-1 to one at this point. 
And he literally comes over and he just salutes that Danbury hat tricks, um, uh, Danbury hat tricks bench. And I, it was beautiful. I got pictures of it. <laughs> it, it was a it was a beautiful sight. When Liam Murray pulled for the extra attacker, Daniel McChick scored to cut the lead in half. Uh, but with only 30 seconds left, the Black Bears were able to close out this for their sixth win. Uh, straight over the hat tricks this time by the score of four to two. Uh, no matter how the game goes against these two teams, uh, the two teams do not like each other. And the eleven thirty one mark of the third period was another example of this dislike between the two teams half for each other. The eleven thirty one mark instant totaled eighty penalty minutes between the two sides. The Black Bears are now 13-2-3 on the season after Friday night's game. First in the Empire with 41 points. Tops in the NHL. Or in the FPHL. NHL, FPHL, it's all the same, right? You know, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, let's take a look at those... Uh, let's take a look at that... Uh, that that third period at the you know halfway mark eleven thirty one mark because to me that was really the, kind of the start of how this weekend really started to go kind of sour um, you know for Danbury and Watertown because they started to do things that they just shouldn't have done you know so in this you have how I saw it was that you had. Um, basically Nikita Ivashkin, who was battling along the boards. And you had Yao there. You had Harwell there. Um, trying to think of who the other guy was that was a main player in this. Um, and be, I, think it was, I think it was Harwell and, and, and Jared Yao and Nikita Ivashkin and Tyson Kirkby. They were the kind of the main players in this whole thing. And Nikita was getting kind of roughed up by Jared Yao, Harwell, and those uh, uh, D. Nicola. Okay, and essentially what happened was eventually it ended up where Nikita was down on the ice on top of one of the Danbury Hattricks players. Jared Yao comes around and just starts pounding on the back of Nikita Ivashkin while the linesman is on top of him and Harwell, right? This is very reminiscent to basically very similar to what Gavin Yates did in Carolina, right? And so he's just, you know, Jared Yao is just pounding. I mean, you can see his fist. I've got pictures of that as well because I was taking a lot of pictures during this game up at the uh, up from the press box. And the bad part about this is, first of all, Jared Yao is doing something that Gavin Yates just got three games for. Uh, the week before, right? So that now you have a guy who you know should get a suspension and everything, and I believe he did get the one game for that, maybe two games, but he did get suspended for that. But then also Nikita Ivashkin kind of lost his cool a little bit because I don't think he liked the fact that he was getting pushed around and then other people came and, and got involved when the linesman was down on him. So he might have just done some lewd gestures. Uh, he doesn't obviously speak great English. And uh, that got him uh, those suspensions. So in this, you had inciting an opponent by Nick D. Nicola. Jared Yao got an aggressor. Chase Harwell got the third man in game misconduct. 
Uh, Yao and Harwell both got fighting majors. Kirkby got a fighting major because he was fighting Yao, I believe it was. Nikita got the fighting major. He was fighting Harwell. And then you had, um, let's see here, inciting an opponent for Andrew Logar. Uh, you had uh, Tyson Kirkby uh, fighting after the altercation game misconduct. And then, of course, Nikita got the game misconduct for the lewd and inappropriate gesture. Okay. Um, but again, some of this happens because of the bad play by the Danbury Hattricks. Okay. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Um, you also had, I think it was Sam Dabrowski. Uh, got a uh, – no, it's not Sam Dabrowski. Oh, there, there we go. Zachary Pamelalian from Danbury in the first period, 1703, gets spearing double minor. Where are these spearings coming from? I watched the AHL for 20-plus years of my life, maybe 30 years of my life. I never saw this much spearing. This has got to – I mean, it, this is just crazy on how much this is happening. And it's not usually – the Binghamton Black Bears. So what, are you telling me that our coach coaches so differently that our players don't need to do this kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, we had the Gavin Yates incident, right, where he did what he did. Uh, you know, and it's wrong. And he got suspended. And he should have gotten suspended. And he, he knows it. Everybody knows it. You know, they're not arguing that. You know, here's the other thing I want everyone to know. And this isn't because the Black Bears do not support their players. They do. But when the league comes down with their decision, they abide by them. They're not questioning that. They're not uh, appealing it. They, they abide by what the league comes down with. And I just want people to know that. I know specifically because I asked about that, and that's what I was told. So... Moving on from that, um, again, the uh, the Black Bears, uh, so they're 13-2-3 coming out of Friday. Nikita Ivashkin the next day gets the three-game suspension, so he's he's done, right? Um, for, let's see here, the Saturday game and then the upcoming two games. Uh, the, so he's not going to be in the game on Saturday night, and he wasn't. So, Basically, let's let's go through this first. Uh, Binghamton uh, forward Nikita Ivashkin has been suspended for three games as a result of his actions of the FPHL. Game number 89 in Binghamton on Friday night. This entire altercation was started by Mr. Ivashkin. Now, I kind of disagree already right there with Dave Jackson. Dave Jackson didn't watch the first four minutes before the altercation happened. And if he did, he, he knows where to find me. But he didn't. And I'm not sticking – listen, and I'm not sticking out for Nikita. But when you start off this incorrectly, regardless, yes, Nikita did what he did. He deserves the suspension. It wasn't cool. Shouldn't have done that in front of kids. Shouldn't do that in front of, you know, uh, just human beings in general, the lewd stuff. But if you're not paying attention to the first three or four minutes and then you start this off this way, sorry, that's just my opinion. I know I'm right. Sorry, Dave Jackson, you're wrong. He pushed Dan Barry's number four to the ice, then followed up by punching him in the back of the head as he landed on him. Okay, fine. All right. We've seen that multiple times. Not get suspended for it. 
This dirty play was unnoticed and led to multiple penalties and ejections. Uh, Mr. Ivashkin went to the penalty box and once inside decided that he needed to deliver a message to his opponent in the form of multiple lewd gestures. I do not understand or how or why the league's message about inappropriate behavior and gestures in a family environment continues to be ignored game after game. This sounds like a little bit from Dave Jackson. Now, I've liked a, a lot of what Dave Jackson has done with explaining these. But to me, does this not sound like to you like he's on a soapbox, right? Tell us the rules. Tell us why you're suspending a player. Uh, we don't need your effing commentary. That's what I'm going to tell you, Dave Jackson. I like what you've done so far. I don't need your effing commentary. And that's what you're basically doing here. Be professional on your end if you don't like these guys being uh, unprofessional on their end. In today's society, so here we go. So we're, we're, we're getting into something that's even uh, now in today's society. These things are not taking lightly, and other leagues have been making concerted efforts to end these practices by ins- issuing lengthy suspensions and hefty fines. Let me tell you something right now, Dave Jackson. When you allow somebody to injure players Game after game, and you do not ban him from the league? Don't talk to me about making concerted efforts to end these practices by issuing lengthy suspensions and hefty fines. Okay? Again, why is there so much commentary in an explanation about rules? There doesn't need to be. Again, the FBHL will not tolerate this type of non-hockey actions that make the entire league look bad. Mr. Ivashkin will be suspended one game for the punch to the back of the head. Fine, I'm okay with that. Two games for the multiple loot gestures. I'm fine with that. He can remove the commentary out of this, and that would be good. All right. Connor Smith goes into this game uh, with a 10-game point streak, making it 11 games. He gets that. Coach Brent Sherwood has not played the same goalie back-to-back in a weekend yet this season, but did so on Saturday with Connor McAnanima. No Yates and Ivochkin, but Alvary went on a line with Kirkby and Ryan Terse. And Ryan Terse is the extra forward. Okay, so in the first period, uh, with Mark uh, Botero cross-checking and Dustin Henning, uh, tripping both in the box early in the first period. The Black Bears scored a five-on-three power play goal to take a one nothing lead. Four minutes and four seconds later, Josh Fletcher scored to give the Black Bears a 2 nothing lead before the halfway mark of the first period. Now, Donald Oliveria again made the difference on the power play with his electric shot, putting this game up 3 nothing on the lead for the Black Bears. The Black Bears were two out of uh, two of three on the power play. Connor Smith now has eleven straight uh, uh, games points in eleven straight games, and it was a three nothing lead after the first period. Now in the second period, no scoring in the second period, even though the Black Bears peppered Josh Rosenweig with another fifteen shots. Dakota Bond or Dakota Seaman was assessed a match penalty for a cross checking. Um, as he uh, two-handed cross-checked Donald Oliveri. Uh, this period was more feisty than the first. Not a fan of the two-handed cross-check to the head. Uh, no scoring at all in this period. This is not common in the FBHL. Uh, Connor had a great two games this weekend so far up to this point. Now, of course, I'll be honest with you. I went into this period thinking, all right, the third period, I was like, all right, just like last night, Watertown will find a way to get on the score sheet. 
Uh, the third line, uh, the third line came alive in the third period, and I truly mean this. Andrew Logar, Justin Samaro setting up Liam Anderson for the Black Bears' fourth goal at the 8:30 mark. After an illegal check to the head for T. Leeson, Josh Fletcher jumped up, dropped his gloves, which led to led a, a big to do for the Black Bears and the Wolves, which uh, will probably lead to more suspensions, and it did. However, the Black Bears shut down the Wolves the rest of the way, and Connor McAnanima earned his second win of the weekend in the first shutout of the season for the Black Bears, earning the number one star of the game, completely 100% deserved. Another ugly moment in this game at the 1340 mark. Uh, Watertown players were frustrated, no doubt, but going uh, after heads is unacceptable, at least in my opinion. But apparently, Lou gestures are more so to give uh, Dave Jackson a 15-sentence you know, commentary when talking about a suspension. I'm sorry. I have a problem with it. Again, love what Dave Jackson has done for the league. Keep the commentary crap out of that stuff. Uh, Connor McAnanima was stellar all weekend and earned the Black Bears' third franchise shutout and the first of the season. I would be neglecting my duties if I didn't also mention that Josh Rosenweig's performance. 58 saves. He saw 62 shots. He was pretty good. I mean, this game could have been 7 nothing. It could have been could have been 6 to nothing. He 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 made some great saves, so good for him. Um Let's let's take a quick peek at the box score for the previous game here, right? So when we look at this, obviously four to nothing. Um, scoring wise, we've already covered that. Tyson Kirkby, Josh Fletcher, Donald Oliveri, Liam Anderson, uh, Kirkby, and and Oliveri had the power play goals. But then there was a couple things, a few things that happened in this game that obviously led to some fines. Uh, both Tom Reynolds, uh, Tom Reynolds got his inciting by a coach or team staff game misconduct at the 903 mark. Um, I have a feeling he just wasn't happy with the way the game was going. Um, and then the other two that I want to bring up was obviously Sherwood and Verbeek getting their inciting by a coach, uh, from Every single report that I've heard. Now, where I was in the press box, you couldn't really see down by the box. So at the 1340 mark was where the 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 the, the Tate Lease and illegal check to the head match penalty occurred that he did on Josh Fletcher. Josh Fletcher pops back up, starts beating the piss out of Tate Leeson. Well, Verbeek apparently did not like this. And I couldn't see this, but from reports of people who were behind the bench. My conversation with with Coach Sherwood himself, and then people that actually could see what was happening from across the thing, including Gary Ryan from the Fed League Flash, was that essentially Verbeek was basically telling his players to go out there and basically start a a, a bench clearing brawl. This is what he was trying to do. Now, referees, linesmen, Coach Sherwood is screaming at. Verbeek basically telling them stop it the f off calm, you know calm down trying to get them to to not do this this is not a good thing for the league this is not a good thing for Verbeek it's not a good thing for the Watertown Wolves and it probably wouldn't have been a good thing for the Black Bears because more suspensions more injuries things of that nature can happen from those type of things that you just don't want to happen not when you're the best team in the league and not when you are playing as good as you are 
So Sherwood, Verbeek both get fines for uh, that. And uh, I would just want to tell anybody who's listening, uh, the GoFundMe right now does not need to be had for Sherwood so far. He's okay with paying these fines. He's good. He appreciates the offer and everything, but unnecessary at this moment. Um, So then we take a look um, at really what happened. So basically, Tate Leeson illegally checked um, uh, Josh Fletcher to the back of the head, and he falls down. Fletcher pops back up and just starts wailing on Tate Leeson. And it was, honestly, I was in shock. I took a ton of pictures of this whole incident as well. Um, You know, Tyson Kirkby, I, I believe he was on the ice. Let me see here. No, he was not. It was Dan Weber who also took a sucker punch to get involved in this whole thing. Um, He took the sucker punch from Trevor Lord. Trevor Lord get a got a game misconduct or got a uh, a suspension from it. Tate Leeson got a two game. So Tate Leeson won't be playing this upcoming week, and neither will uh, Dakota Seaman because Dakota Seaman at the twelve oh nine mark. Of the second period, he got a cross-checking match penalty. Same type of situation, and he he basically went after uh, Donald Oliveri. So, I don't know what's happening with the Wolves. I don't know what's happening with Brian Verbeek. But you're not representing the league or your team or the city of Watertown. And these are good, hardworking people that are paying money. And you're going and doing crap like that. Now, of course, you did it on the road. And let's be honest. This is when you do crap like this, right? Is you do it on the road. You don't do it in front of your fans because even though there's YouTube and everybody can watch every single game, you can spin it the way you want. Verbi can spin it the way he wants. He knows exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to do slapstick hockey from the 1970s, whether he was a Flyers fan or maybe he was a freaking Johnstown Jets fan or whatever it might be. He was trying to do something. Why? I don't know. It wasn't going to serve you anything. And he still lost four to nothing. So moving on. However, <laughs> the upcoming two games versus the Watertown Wolves, um, again, three Wolves suspended from Sat last series game. Seaman received two games. Leeson received also two games. And Lord got one game. He will be able to return on Saturday night. Binghamton is 3-1. This season versus the Watertown Wolves, will these games be less feisty? I don't know. Will Verbreek in this team, if this team is losing, will the players start to lose their composure? I don't know. I'm hoping that the league stepped in and said, hey, calm the frick down. We don't need this kind of thing. All right. So the other thing that I want to bring up, and it's kind of very important, is the uh, we'll take a look at the transactions for this past week, right? Not much for the uh, Binghamton Black Bears, um, but they did uh, uh, release uh, Ryan Terse from his uh, four-game PTO. Gavin Yates is returning from suspension, so he's going to be available for Friday and Saturday night's game against the Watertown Wolves. And of course, the suspensions are up there for Tom Reynolds and Brant Sherwood, which I'm sure that Andreas Johansson was happy to pay. Um, so that's pretty much it for my segment. I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, next week, we will be doing kind of like a look-see into uh, 2023. 
how did the Binghamton Black Bears do in 2023? Um, I think the numbers are pretty impressive if you think about it. You know, the winning numbers, the wins, the losses between the two seasons, the two halves of the seasons. How did 2023 come and go? There was probably some disappointment with some players leaving, but there was also some really cool excitement. I think Connor Smith and Brandon Stanko, guys like that, really kind of brought some new life into the organization. So, again, next next week, probably in between Christmas and New Year's, um, on that Thursday, next Thursday, there will be a show, no interview, just a little bit of a breakdown of 2023, and then we'll get back into it again. But I'm probably wasting too much time talking, and you guys probably want to listen to my interview with Connor McAnanima. He's the goaltender for the Binghamton Blackbirds. He just had a shutout, and now he's on the Power Play Post Show. So coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show is Connor McAnanima. I'll be back right after You're this. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I'm really excited to have this gentleman on. And as long as I don't mispronounce his last name, we will be good this whole interview. It'll it'll be fine. Um, but he comes to us from the Binghamton Black Bears. Really excited to have on uh, goaltender Connor McAnanima. Uh, Connor, welcome to the show. Hopefully, I did the name justice. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me, and uh, it came out perfect. You know, I couldn't, couldn't have done it, done it any better myself. Well, i got to be honest with you. Uh, I had to practice it. When when you joined the Black Bears and you signed on and there was the press release, and I'm looking at that going, that is way too many A's, that's way too many N's. I am never going to get that right. So I listened to Brooks Hill, and then I practiced it in the mirror about 20,000 times to get it right. So, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure uh, I mean, that was the first conversation me and Brixie had with each other. <laughs> Basically was, hey, how do you pronounce your name? Yep, exactly. Well, that's that pretty cool. Um, Connor, let's first talk a little bit about where you grew up. You grew up just outside of Springfield, um, uh, Massachusetts, uh, obviously a hotbed for minor league hockey there and everything. Talk a little bit about your childhood growing up and sports. Uh, was, was there anything other than hockey that you played as well? Um, so, yeah, growing up, I played uh, a little bit of baseball when I was a kid, too. Um, I, I think I only played, like, uh, I believe it was, you know, parent pitch or coach's pitch or whatever you call. Um, but, you know, even from a young age, uh, nothing nothing really interested me as much as hockey. Um, and then... So I grew up just playing, you know, town hockey um, for Westfield Youth mm-hmm. Hockey Association, um, and, and played there for for most of my, you know, younger years. Uh, and then eventually made it to travel, um, and then yeah, just played for my hometown high school, Agom High School, um, which actually, funny enough, is the rival to Westfield. Um, so, you know, once I grew up and got to high school. Uh, my my biggest rival happened to be all my childhood friends. Oh wow! Um, from when I was younger, so that that made the uh, 
the rivalry, rivalry a little bit more fun for me and them too. Yeah, and obviously, as you as a goaltender, none of them could check you really, right? So they could give you a little a bit of a face wash and everything, but they couldn't uh, couldn't really check you. Oh yeah, a couple words after the whistle. Um, you know, it's, it's always a lot of fun. You know, just stopping your buddies, and those are always the biggest games of the year for me. Now, growing up, uh, hockey was definitely something within your family that everybody loved. I know your father is a uh, season ticket holder, or has been a season ticket holder in Springfield and everything. How how important has that been for your you know development as a hockey player? Having family that is just so big into what you do now. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, growing up, uh, I don't I don't think my my dad never was really into into hockey, and neither was my mom uh, growing up. Um, but you know, I I, I kind of just found a love for it. Um, my uh, my mom would always tell me that. You know, when I was like a little kid, it was you know March, April, that kind of thing. So it was playoff hockey season, and uh, my dad would always watch hockey with me, you know, like the playoffs and that kind of thing. So they think that that's how I kind of picked up on it. You know, saw it on TV all the time, watching it, and I was like, oh, you know, this is great. And um, eventually, you know, they took me to games, especially at uh, Mass Mutual Center, and you know, seeing you know the, the quality of players there and. And all the fans, you know, screaming their name, that kind of thing. And, you know, that's that's kind of kind of what started the dream there. Talk a little bit about when you were uh, young. I, I I hear that you scored a goal in the uh, championship game when you were eight years old. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. So um, that was also when I played for uh, for Westfield Youth Hockey. Um, I remember we went. Uh, what was it? I think it was twenty nine zero and one. Wow. That year. Um, you know, I, I play a split goalie and player. Um, but yeah, that's like a, it's a big highlight of my life. I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. I was, uh, I think I'm one, one, uh, was it? a draw in the neutral zone. You know, I was just kind of bringing the puck in the zone, looking for a change. I skated across the top of the blue line and just kind of hummed a backhand in there. And uh, I remember skating towards the bench. I didn't even look at the puck and all of a sudden the buzzer went off. Uh, it scared the crap out of me, um, and I, I didn't even have time to celebrate because all my friends were were hugging me, teammates were hugging me, and uh, I never saw the puck go in. But uh, I'll never never forget that moment for the rest of my life. Uh, I'm pretty sure when I was um, when I was in high school. I mean, you, you know, you get the prompts of you know what was like the biggest, what was one of your most unforgettable moments in life, and you know, I'd be like 16, 17 years old writing about the time I scored a goal when I was eight. When I was eight years old, so that that one's always stuck with me for, for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I I completely understand that. I had a couple moments in baseball where I, I looked back at little league and said, "Well, that was my best moment right there." Even when I was, you know, eighteen or nineteen years old and everything. So I completely understand that. Um, you know, you being from Massachusetts and in, in, in the Springfield area, prep school hockey was pretty big. Is still pretty big. In Massachusetts, did any of your friends actually go and play prep school hockey? Because I know that was like, that's probably some of the most competitive hockey in our country. Believe it or not, in the U.S., some of the most competitive hockey is really prep school hockey, especially for someone who's, you know, a teenager. Yeah, um, I'd say most most of my friends kind of stuck to just uh, just a town. Um, I know. Uh, one of my one of my good friends going growing up with uh, was Brian Scoville, and um, he he was 
he played our freshman year at Agawam High School, and after that he went and played um, for Cushing and mm. then uh, Winchenden Prep School. Um, and he's he's an amazing hockey player. He's uh, the captain now at Utica. But I think out of out of all my buddies, he's uh, the only one that went and, and played prep. And you guys probably heard about the prep school guys, right? And how, you know how good and how competitive that hockey was. Oh yeah, I, re- I remember. Um, they sometimes they play before or after our uh, high school games, and that that place would be packed with uh, her yeah. cathedral. Who's I think they're now the Pope Francis. Um, but you know, at the time they had they had goalies like uh, they had a goal like Keith Petrozelli. Um, they had a guy Johnny Leonard. Um, I, I think they're both in. I think Johnny's in. The, I think they're both in the AHL now. But I mean, those those guys, those guys brought in the crowd, and it was it was amazing to see that many people show up for you know a high school hockey game. They they were they were really good. Talk a little bit about the Boston Bandits. Uh, you know, what age group were you at at that point, and what was the Boston ba- uh, Bandits like? So that was uh, my that was my first year after U eighteen, so I was um, a nineteen going into that, and mm-hmm. that was my my first uh, taste of kind of you know being being on my own a little bit. I was luck- lucky enough to live with the Monigans out there and um, in Bridgewater, and you know they were an unbelievable billet family. I, I couldn't couldn't ask for uh, you know a better place to stay. Uh, they you know, help me with food and all that kind of stuff. And I, I still talk to them to this day. Um, but, yeah, that was, uh, that was a big step, um, you know, going from U18 to NCDC. <laughs> I remember my dad had a joke with me. Oh, I, I don't know if, how much of a joke it was at the time, but mm-hmm. I was playing NCDC or U18, watching an uh, NCDC game. My dad was like, hey, uh, this is, if you want to go anywhere, this is where you're going to have to play next year. You know, he's, you know, free hockey. He's like, I'm done paying. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, looking back at it, you know, I don't know how much he was joking, but uh, you know, I ended up, ended up working out, and I, uh, I had a great coach my first year, uh, Rich Alger, um, and his son, his son also played on the team, and he's now at UMass Amherst. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, the organization it was great. Uh, I know we had like a we had our own gym. Um, you know, we skated twice a day, and uh, that was. That was, you know, my first taste of, you know, like being a legit full-time hockey player. Yeah, and, um, and one of the interesting things about that, and, and a lot of fans don't understand it, is that youth hockey, high school hockey, a lot of the players still depend on their family a lot, right? There's a lot of that, uh, you know, your dad drives you to practice or your mom gets you to a game, you know, in Danbury, Connecticut, or wherever it may be, and everything. So they, so people don't realize that when you guys go off on your own for the first time, it's not just to play, you know, maybe at a level, better level of hockey, but at the same time, it's to really kind of figure out. It's like it's like getting a job after college and 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 and, and, and being on your own. Uh, it's a lot different than what people realize. How did that help you? Um, I mean, honestly, like. I think hockey itself kind of prepared me for, you know, being a little bit, you know, more on my own. Uh, you learn a lot. Of, I feel like I learned like a lot of life lessons. You know, just you know, just you know, how to be a man and how to deal with problems. Um, you know, and working with other people. Um, and it, I think playing helped me transition to kind of being on my own because it's like, hey, like, you know, this is a step up. Like, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to man up. You know, and make sure that you're your body's ready to play and then, you know, you're getting enough sleep, that kind of thing. Cause 
that's a lot more important, you know, than you realize, especially when you're a kid. You know, it's always go, go, go. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't need to sleep. I can stay up. And that's, uh, you know, taking care of yourself is, it was, um, it was a big jump. But uh, I think, I think it's something that I think I'll, I'll never like, uh, I'll never look past juniors for, you know, helping me grow as a person. And, and the level of hockey, the, the, the speed of the game changed too, right? A lot faster. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you, I remember it was the, the first year I played, you know, we going like, going up against the New Jersey Hitmen and they'd have like six division one commits on their team and, and all that. So it's definitely a, definitely a little daunting task. Um, but you know, after, after a couple of weeks of being there, I think I got my confidence up and I was like, Hey, you know, like I can do this. Like I can, I can keep up with these guys. And, uh, it was yeah. It's just it's just a lot of fun being able to play against you know all those guys and see where they are now. Now, Connor, uh, obviously you did the team itself here in Binghamton. Um, two two shootouts where you know giving up just one goal and everything. But when you were with the Bandits, there was a game where you went twelve rounds without giving up a goal. So obviously you have the ability to really read a player as he's coming in on the on the shootout. Talk a little bit about that that game where you 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 didn't give up anything in twelve rounds and everything in the shootout and everything. And what is it about shootouts that seem to just kind of like you you feel comfortable in? Um. So I mean I don't I don't I don't I don't know if I'm pumping my own tires here, but <laughs> I think I think it was fifteen. I think it was fifteen rounds. Um, if, if I remember correctly. Well, my um, information then was wrong. I'm going to have to go back to my source and uh, have a conversation with that person. But, but yeah, either <laughs> don't way, worry, don't worry. it's all it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, so I mean, even so, 15 rounds and what you've done so far this year that we've seen in the shootout, pretty impressive. So, what is it about shootouts that you like? Um, you know, I, I kind of like the pressure. Uh, it just. Hmm. You know, it gets gets the blood pumping, gets the legs going a little bit, um, and you know, the, especially in shootouts, the team really relies on you to make make the saves so that they have a little bit more confidence or that they're a little more com- comfortable going down and, and scoring on the other goalie. You know, just take the pressure off them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, one on one, I don't got to worry about a rebound, and it's it's kind of just more like the mental state it puts you in. You just like, you know, it's all on me. It's the team needs me to step up here, and you know, and when you have the opportunity opportunity to do it, and you know, and obviously when you're lucky enough to win, unlike I was, and you know, my first two, um, you know, it's it's just a real good feeling because you know it's it's really like wow, you know, the team needed me to step up, and uh, and I was able to do it for them. Now we were talking a little bit off air. You you didn't you didn't play last year. Um, you did some coaching and some other things. Uh, what was the what what year were you playing against some D one and NHL players in a summer league? Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah. So um, after after juniors, I uh, I committed to UMass Boston, um, and you know so I went went out there during COVID, and at the time there we weren't able to skate at our rink, so uh, right. we skated at Fair Academy, which is probably like like twenty five thirty minute drive from where we were staying. Um, and you know, one one day, I, I think some men's league team needed a, needed a goalie. And you know, I went down, I played for him, and the guy was like, "Oh man, you're great! Like, keep keep playing." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Um, and, and so summer comes around, and that 
I'm still playing for the men's league team. And one yeah. day he's like, hey, uh, you know, I, I run the rink here. Like, do you mind if they're like, would you be able to come and skate with the pro, pro guys uh, in a three-on-three a game? And, you know, of course. I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, I don't, I don't ask who's playing or nothing. Um, and, you know, show up and, and it's like a bunch of NHL, AHL guys from the area, um, you know, just looking to get a skate in. And uh, Drew ended up drawing a crowd, but that was that was awesome. You know, just you know, somehow men's league turns into me being able to play with like guys like like Jack Eichel, Sanford, Colin White, um, Donato. Uh, I, was, I think there's one more. Gar- and uh, Connor Garland. Okay, so um, so I have to ask you: Did Jack Eichel score on you or no? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he he got me a couple times. But uh, I remember the the first time we played. I'll I'll never forget this. He, uh, I think I, I was I was just feeling myself that game. Or yeah. That game, and I, I think I stopped him like 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 three or four times in a row. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good, and he gets a one timer, and I got I get a piece of like my leg pad or something to make the save, and so he kind of yells or whatever, and you know, uh, I, you know, for I'm gonna I'll censor it for the air, but. Um, <laughs> Kind of said something, and he was he was skating by me. So I was like, "Hey, buddy!" And he turns around, looks at me, and um, you know, I, I gave him a couple words, and and uh, he turns back, looks at me, and he he just starts smiling and laughing. Um, nice. And so, ever ever since then, you know, I I wouldn't say we're like friends or nothing, but I think I earned his earned his respect a little bit. He he would always give me a tap on the pads and say what's up uh, when we play against each other. Um, but yeah, after that, yeah, he might got it. Might have got four or five, but you know, it's it's the first couple that count. No, absolutely. So let me ask you: playing against guys of that caliber, and yeah, maybe they're not going one hundred percent right because of the situation. It's not the NHL; they're not making that particular money at that for that those particular games. But does it give you a sense of confidence to be able to play against those guys and to see what you've got against them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, especially going in, I, I remember the, the, I don't know if it was the, I'm not sure if it was, yeah, so it was the, the second summer that I played, the second summer that I was in Boston, um, the, at the end of the season, you know, they have playoffs or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we we made it, we ended up making it to the finals, um, you know, the three-on-three round, and that kind of thing, and, um, you know, it was just one of those, you know, realization. It's like, wow. Like, you know, maybe I, maybe I can play pro hockey. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, it was just kind of getting my chance to to play. I mean, obviously they they still lit me up. The scores were still, you know, you get like a like a twenty to fifteen score that kind of thing. Because I mean, they're so skilled and come in tight that kind of thing. It's it's all their it's all of their specialties. Yeah. So they yeah, you, you got to kind of take what you can and and roll with it, but. Um, yeah, it was it was just a real eye-opening experience, and, and it's you gain so much respect, you know, seeing them on TV and everything. Um, but like on close and, and having them shoot on you, it's like wow, like there's a reason why these guys are getting paid the big bucks, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. No, I, I totally agree. So uh, obviously, you said last year uh, you didn't play, you did some coaching, uh, high school and, and whatnot. How did you? Was there a phone call? How did you guys? How did you get in touch with basically the Binghamton Black Bears, or how did they get in touch with you? Um, so, I ended up getting in touch with uh, the Binghamton Black Bears through a, a hockey camp 
called uh, Elite Hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's run up in New Hampshire um, at the New Hampton School, uh, New Hampton Prep School. Yeah, and um, it was I was uh, I was just doing some goalie coaching there, um, strength conditioning coaching, that kind of thing. And um, one of the other guys there, you know, I, I became friends with um, this guy uh, Connor Boyce, and you know, through I, you know, we would just be talking that kind of thing and. Eventually, I was like, "Yeah, like I'm still looking to play, but I, I don't have any contacts. Really, I don't, I don't really know how to re- who to reach out to, that kind of thing." He's like, "Oh, like my um, my, my, my buddy Brant Sherwood, he used to work here. Um, he's actually coaching in the FPHL this year." And um, he's like, he, "He's like, I can shoot him a text for it." And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Um, and so uh, he shot Sherwood a text, and about like an hour and a half later, I'd say Sherwood gave me a call. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, I looked over your stats on Elite Prospects, that kind of thing, you know, whatever videos are, you can find on YouTube. He's, uh, he's like, yeah, like I'd, I'd like give you a chance. And I was like, you know, I was obviously super pumped that I was going to be able to play competitive hockey again. Um, and so it was kind of a kind of a crazy, I guess, way to get in touch with a coach. But, um, you know, word of mouth and is, is always uh, – it's always a good way to go, I guess. Now, how was that first conversation with uh, Coach Sherwood? Uh, I've I, I got to be honest with you, every conversation I've had with him, uh, he seems to always have a smile on his face. Now, of course, he's the head coach of the Binghamton Black Bears, so he may not always have a smile on his face, uh, but at least in, in my interactions with him, um, you know, just a generally a, a nice guy, and he really cares about his, the players on, on the team. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with uh, Coach Sherwood? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think there's a day I walk in the rink and, and don't say hi to Coach with, without him having a smile on his face. Um, and, you know, I feel like, you know, it really makes it a lot easier on us. Um, he's super straightforward with us. He, I, I definitely say he's a player's coach. You know, he, he knows when to be hard on us. He knows when to ease up a little bit. Um, but it makes our jobs a, a lot easier, you know, going to the rink every day, um, you know, just – you know, being you can be buddy buddy with your coach, you know, but it's when when it's time to like come down to business, you know, he's he's a coach, yeah, um, and and you can see it. Uh, I mean, when you know playing hockey, you got a new coach every couple of years normally, and it's I mean, I believe this is his first full year, yeah, um, coaching with the band or the Black Bears, and he's 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 done an amazing job with the guys. Uh, I have I have no complaints at all, and you know he. he he doesn't harp on us about anything unless, like, you know, we really need it. He, he lets us play our game. He, he obviously is great with systems, all that stuff. He's like, but if you see something, you know, it's hockey. You know, you got to adapt the game and, and to what, you know, what's in front of you. So um, it just makes it a real relaxed environment, um, able to do what you need to do to get better. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely a pleasure um, to have him, you know, at the, the head of the ship. You know, Connor, uh, Obviously, you've got Brand, and, and obviously Tom Reynolds is an assistant coach and everything. But who's who's working with the goalies? Who's working with you and and Sam and Eggie on goaltending stuff? Uh, is, is, is does Brand still come to you guys with suggestions and ideas from video that they're watching? How do you how do you guys get coached? Uh, you know, basically with the team when there's really not a goalie coach on the team. Yeah, so um, so we, we don't we don't have a goalie coach here, but. Um, I, uh, I'd kind of like to say that I'm maybe a little bit of a goalie coach. Gotcha. Um, 
you know, I, I have a little bit of a, I have some coaching experience from last year, and um, you know, I I try to be very critical of myself, um, specifically considering that I don't have a coach. Um, so, you know, I, I normally I'm getting beat in a certain way or uh, like over and over. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's like obviously, you know, you, I got to figure something else out. Right. Um, and so I I like to like I, I remember my. My dad told me this. He's like, if, if you go to the rink and you think that you have nothing to work on, then you're you're lying to yourself. Yeah. You know? So you can you can always everybody can always go to the rink and, and uh, you know get better. And obviously, like you're not. He's always tell me you're clearly not in the NHL, so you got a lot to work on. So um, I just kind of try and be mindful of, of you know how I'm playing and be really honest with myself. Um, and you know I I. I, I from coaching, I know drills that you know how to work on certain things and and that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's you know just kind of kind of winging it, I guess. Uh, I like to I like to help out the other guys, you know, when I can. If Sam has any questions or Eggy has any questions, obviously I'm there for him. Um, but I mean, we're we're doing pretty good right now, I'd say in, in yeah. the net. No, absolutely. Can you uh, talk a little bit about I – mean, put your coaching hat on for a second for me and talk about Sam's glove hand. It's one of the fastest glove hands I've seen in the FPHL. Would you not agree that – I mean, you, you may not have seen a lot of the other goaltenders, I'm sure, and everything, but he's got a really fast glove hand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean Sam's quick, and he knows especially how to use that to his advantage. Um, I mean – uh, obviously, no one else sees this, but I mean, this guy—he's he, got some pretty big biceps. He's okay, got, he's got some veins going through there. He's—he's he's, he's pretty strong. So, um, I mean, it's yeah, it might be his glove, but I—I th- I think he—he he reads the puck well. You know, mm-hmm. he reads the puck coming off the stick well, and he knows where it's going. Um, and and that and that helps him, you know, position his glove is to where it generally might go. And then, as soon as it comes off the stick, he's able to really, you know, lock in and, and give himself a much better chance to make that make that glove save happen. What's the relationship like between the three of you guys? Uh, you, Sam, and Eggy. What do you guys like? Um, you know, on the ice for practice, or even um, off the ice? No, oh, it's 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 awesome. Um, I, I'd say I'd say we're all pretty much best friends at this point. Um, we just, we just, you know, try and try and keep it light, have fun, you know, just hype each other up. Um, if, if there's anything that, you know, one of us, like I said before, you know, if there's something that one of us would like to work on, we're always there to give pointers to each other. But, um, you know, if, if you ever come into a practice, me, you know, we'll be might be on the other end of the ice. But if I see Sam make a nice save, you know, I'm slamming my stick and screaming for him. Right. And and him and Eggy are the same exact way. Um, and I, I think that makes our jobs a lot easier as well. You know, just. Just being friends, you know, like at the end of the day, all of us are here to win a championship, right? Yeah. And, you know, whether it's, you know, Sam and Net, me and Net, or Eggy and Net, either way, we, you know, we want what's best for our team. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that makes us, you know, all come together and be tighter as a group. What went so well this weekend? Uh, I, I would say that it was the best two games I saw. Team defense-wise, you know, um, and I, I think a big part of that 
you know, a lot of people will give, you know, we, 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 we throw stats out there for goaltenders all the time, right? Goals against average, save percentage, wins, losses, even a, even shutout and everything. And we don't look at sometimes what happens in front of the goaltender. And, yes, goaltenders make great saves. Sometimes they steal a game and everything. What went well from your point of view when you were in that both games? What went so well that you guys were A, to get five shutout periods and obviously complete you know the shutout against the Watertown Wolves? What did you see in front of you? How did the team help you? Because team defense is something that I noticed this year, and I know you weren't here the last couple of years, that has improved so greatly. Um, yeah, so I'll start off with, uh, with Friday with um, Dan Burry. Yeah. Um, I think that we did a. I think it was. I mean, even at the beginning of the game, there. I think. I, I think there was a, a span where we blocked like three or four shots, mm-hmm. like almost right at the beginning of the game, and and, and I, I think that that's a huge part is of our D zone specifically is is just you know the boys are willing to sell out to block pucks, um, you know they're they're willing to put their body in front. Um, you know, they're willing to clear the front of the net for me and, and it makes it a lot easier on me, you know, when I can see that when I can see that point shot coming through through traffic. You know, they push that last guy out of the way, so you know, I get a clear view and I can make sure that rebound gets into the corner. Um and, you know, making making save starts, you know, with, with all with them of you know, giving me a much higher chance to make the save because they put, you know, either the the forward coming down in a tougher spot. Or they're you know they're engaging on him and, and making him or pressuring him to make him get off the shot that he might not necessarily want. Right. Um, and I, I'd say and what we did a great job of on on Saturday was that our offense was our best defense. I mean, we I thought we controlled the puck extremely well um, in the offensive zone, um, and which didn't even allow them to get much pressure whatsoever. Um, and you know they were keeping shots to the outside. Um, and I mean, I, I look at it as, like, especially with Saturday, like a, a shutout. It's, it's a team shutout. It's you know, it's a, it's a team stat. It's not a goalie stat. Like, yeah, it's great that I, I, you know, I, I stop all the pucks, the pucks that came my way, but you know, it, they have to make the job you know easier on me as well. Um, you know, keeping shots to the outside, that kind of thing, and, and let me see the puck. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a really a team stat. You know, as, as a team, you want to get a shutout. It's obviously great. It looks good for goalies, but um, you know, a lot has to go right defensively in a game for that to happen. You started off the season with uh, two OT losses, uh, shootout, and everything, um, and then you've won five in a row um, when you've gone in there. Uh, when you do have two other goaltenders to kind of fight for the competitiveness to get into the game and everything. Is it hard to keep yourself ready to know that when Coach Sherwood calls your number that you are as mentally as ready? I mean, this is the first weekend where you did a back-to-back, and it's the first weekend anybody's done a back-to-back um, uh, and everything. So can you talk a little bit about how hard it is to go, you know, sometimes and play only one game in a weekend? Um, I mean, me personally, like it, I, it doesn't bother me too much. I mean – He's trying to he's trying to do what's best for the team and you know and figure out who he wants starting. Um, and I personally like I, I try not to you know worry about things that I can't control. Sure. Um, I, I go in there and 
you know, I, I do my best every game, do my best every practice, that kind of thing. And I think it took me, I, I think I had a little butterflies a little bit the, the first two games that I ended up playing, you know, having the first one being in, in Danbury, um, you know, that's, that's an interesting rink to play in, to say the least. <laughs> and, um, and then obviously with, with Carolina having, having uh, like, you know, all the hype behind them of, you know, being, you know, one of the top teams in the South, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe I'd, you know, let that get to my head a little bit too much. Hmm. Um, and I think that I find, you know, when I play my best hockey, when, you know, I'm just going out there and, and having fun and, you know, just being confident. Um, I don't, I don't like to get, you know, too hard on myself because, you know, if, if I get all upset, you know, that I let a goal in or I get all upset that someone clipped me, you know, on their way through, like that's going to, you know, why would I let that bother me when, you know, when it's something that, you know, I can't go back and fix it. You know, it's, it's just kind of moving ahead and, and being ready for the next, the next step. And, you know, coach, coach always gives us a heads up to, you know, who's, yeah. who, what he's planning for, for the weekend. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I trust him. I have the utmost respect for Coach Sherwood. Um, so I, I just kind of try and keep it light, you know, focus on the things you can control and, you know, deal with, you know, deal with the battles that you have to deal with it when you can't control them. Now, of course, you're from Agawan, and that's just right outside of uh, Springfield. And, uh, you know, Springfield, an old American Hockey League city, Binghamton, obviously an old American Hockey League uh, city as well. What have you liked about playing in, in, in Binghamton and just living in the city uh, as you have for the past few months? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, I mean, the the size of the rink, you know, especially, um, you know, growing up in, you know, right across the, the river from Springfield, you know, I got to go and see all those, you know, Springfield Falcons, Springfield Thunderbirds games and, you know, see like the big rink and yeah. how many seats are in there and that kind of thing. And then, you know, my first opportunity of, you know, playing professional hockey is, you know, in that rink. And um, it's, it's, the atmosphere is unbelievable. I mean, I remember the, the first time I walked in there, you know, I was just like starstruck, you know, I was like, holy crap, you know, I get to play in front of this many people, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I, I love it. I mean, our fans are great. Um, they, they're they're always loud. It's it's always great to have them on our side, and um, we're doing pretty good at home right now too, which uh, which helps out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I mean, as, as for the area, um, we live a little bit outside of Binghamton, but um, I, I like it. It's um, I, I lived in in Boston for two years, and it's a uh, it's a lot more laid back than uh, of a city than Boston is, and I, I find that you know a, a little bit better for me personally. Um, I like the like the more rural kind of setting, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a pleasure to uh, play in Binghamton for sure. Awesome, he is Connor McAnanima, and uh, Connor, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I've I've loved getting to know your father a little bit as well uh, through Messenger. Uh, he, obviously, he is going to follow your career wherever you play. Whatever you do, um, thoroughly, it's always great to have family on your side like that, which is which is which is amazing. But thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I definitely appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, I'll see you around the rink here soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great time. It was good talking to you. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, I'll see you around the rink. Awesome. And we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show.
you're a Binghamton hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I couldn't have ended 2023 with a better interview than that with Connor McAnanima. Um, you know, I was I was a little nervous about doing the interview with Connor. The last interview that I did with a goaltender uh, from Binghamton did not go so well. Um, I'll leave that story kind of to the archives, so to speak. Uh, but Connor was great. Uh, you know, I've gotten to know his father a little bit, Stephen uh, McAnanima, and uh, he's a Springfield Falcons season ticket holder, uh, or at least has been for a very long time. And I just find it uh, just kind of refreshing to be able to talk to another hockey fan like Stephen um, and just uh, really enjoy, you know, that camaraderie between two former, well, we're a former AHL city and uh, Springfield still is, and uh, looking forward to maybe getting to meet Steven and talk to him a little bit about hockey in Springfield a little bit, you know, just because I think that would be fun. Uh, I know uh, the McNanima family is coming to the games this weekend um, in water uh, against Watertown, so that would be great. Hopefully, you know, Connor will get at least one start. Maybe he will, and uh, that will be great and whatnot. One of the things I just want to end the show with is one of the great things about uh, so far what I've seen with the players is that great relationship that they have with their family. Uh, Ryan Kirkby, same type of thing, uh, father of Tyson, great guy. I've had some great conversations with with him as well, uh, just about hockey in general, not even about Tyson, but just about hockey in general. So uh, what a great 2023. I can't wait for next week's show where I kind of just break down some of the highlights and some of the really cool things uh, that I've been able to you know, come back to. You know, hockey is a very great sport in the sense that there is a there's a strange relationship between family, hockey player, even coaches and media, you know, broadcasters, all those kind of people because of the because it's the number 4 sport maybe in the United States and I'm sure that soccer is starting to give it a little bit of run for its money. We all kind of look out for each other, whether it be the the family members, the 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 journalists, the media, that type of thing. So I'm just very blessed that I've been kind of welcomed back to this fold. I give an outlet. I give some conversation starters. I give a little bit of everything. So I'm pretty happy about that. All right. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the, the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook. Search for the Power Play Post Show and, uh, you know, maybe ask your friends to join as well. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity. Thank you to Rob Lapolis, our MC, John Petitucci, one of my best friends from high school, our musical director, and our guest this week, Binghamton Black Bears goalie, Connor McAnanima. And uh, remember, 
One last reminder, next week's show will be a 2023 review episode looking at the back end of the 2022-2023 season and the beginning of this season, 23-24. I will grade the offense, defense, goaltending, coaching so far this season. I'll give my honest thoughts. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be okay with my honest thoughts. I've not been shy from what I've said so far. I think uh, I think offensively, defensively, goaltending and coaching, we've been good so far this year. So um, that's the that's so that's so I think it's going to be okay, right? But I'll put I'll I'll play the game, you know, put some letters on things, you know, that type of thing. We'll have fun with it. But uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And listen. Whether you celebrate Hanukkah, whether uh, which I know is ongoing and I think close to finishing up, um, whether you finish, whether you celebrate Kwanzaa or even just a good old fashioned Christmas, uh, whatever it is, I hope you guys have had a great holiday. Good luck to the Black Bears this weekend, um, Friday and Saturday against the Watertown Wolves, and then of course on Monday. Just to have a great day. And uh, the Christmas spirit is really about being with your friends, your family. And you know what? Some of these players aren't going to be able to go home maybe to see their family. Hopefully they all do. Hopefully they all get home and everything. Uh, so just uh, be good to each other out there. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Power Play Post Show. for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.